Good morning. Greetings from across town, from Tabernacle Community Church, uh, where I serve as uh, one of our administrators. And um, it's good to be back with you. I've, I, before service, I was able to hug a few of you already and uh, say hello and, and just, um, just greet you and, and, and be greeted. And, and that felt really good. So it's, it's good to be back here again. Uh, yeah, as Mike mentioned, I think I was here in maybe April or May. Um, so I woke up this morning and uh, realized that it was August 15th. And so um, by raise of hands, like how many of you are some kind of student or, or teacher um, that's going to be starting like the school rhythm in the next? Yeah, yeah, quite a few of you. So um, yeah, in Chicagoland, where, I, where I'm from, like Monday, like tomorrow would be, we'd be like going back to school. And so just, just that whole rhythm, that fall rhythm starting again. So um, yeah, so when Mike, when Mike emailed me about uh, coming and preaching, he said that we're in a James series, uh, our elders, we're all going to be on a retreat, and so it'd be great to have someone come in, and then he said the verse, uh, the single verse uh, that was going to be preached was James 5.12, and I was like, man, what am I, what am I going to do with that? Um, this single verse, this strange verse, this kind of topic we don't normally talk about, and it's only a single verse. And, um, and, and yet, um, kind of like our tomato plant out back, uh, there have been uh, tomatoes that I've been able to pluck every day, uh, tomatoes of wisdom, as I've kind of turned this passage over in my mind and just continued to think about it and think about it and hear from the Lord and study the, study the word and, and all of that. So, so, so the text is James 5.12, which Brooklyn uh, has already read for us, and um, you know, James. Uh, I'd be I'd be so interested to hear what many of you have been learning through the James series so far. I haven't been able to join you, but um, you know, James has uh, had ha- has had so much to say about our speech, about our words, and how important they are, and and and, and that they matter, and that we can use words foolishly and we can use words wisely, and so this fits right into. What some of, I'm sure you've been learning um, about speech in James and about words and about how um, words have the power to uh, create trust and create wholeness in a community. And, and that's uh, uh, the, same, the same here. So I want to put, uh, because the verse is so short, uh, I want to put the whole verse on the screen for you and kind of diagram it um, by language. Oh, um, okay, so... <laughs> Um, okay, so James says, above all, so he addresses them, and then there are two verbs, right? Do not swear, and let your be, let, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. So our directives for this morning are do not swear, and, and then we have a positive uh, way to speak, which is to let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And then at the end, you have this purpose statement, or um, he says, so that you might not fall uh, under under judgment. So, um, in you know, not by heaven, not by earth, not by any other oath. Um, heaven, earth, everything, not by any other oath. He's saying, don't don't swear by by any authority. Um, don't don't make an oath uh, at all. Um, in many ways, is what he's saying. It covers it covers everything, and and then the purpose um, statement. Um, so that you um, not might not fall under judgment. You know, there, um, 
there are a lot of natural consequences that can come from um, saying saying yes or no to something. Uh, but you know, if you if you make an oath, uh, an actual oath in the name of God or in the name of of any other thing, and you don't fulfill it, uh, you now actually have three parties involved in in what you've uh, in your oath, and so. The, the one party in whose name that you made the oath was the party that was greater than you, that was more credible than you, that was more authoritative than you. You know, otherwise you wouldn't have used that person's name. And so, and so now, um, if you don't fulfill that oath, that party's reputation as well is on the line, and you have to deal with that too, as well as just the natural consequences of saying yes or no. So. So God is telling you that he does not take uh, lightly um, oaths and that you are responsible before him uh, when, you, when you take them. So the same goes. The same goes if we swear uh, or make an oath by any other thing. Um, you know, take, take the sun. If you say something like, as sure as the sun rises, I will be there on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. to support you. And then you don't show up. Well, the sun is still going to rise every morning, and so the sun is now your judge. And so if you don't show up, every morning the sun rises, and maybe when your friend sees the sun rise, they'll think about your promise and how you broke it, and the sun is now this cause of distrust between you and that person. And so the sun rising is now a symbol <laughs> of your unfaithfulness. You see how that works? So... Um, so Matthew, in, in Matthew, um, Jesus uh, is recorded to have said something almost identical to what James is saying in terms of this piece of wisdom here. He says, again, you have heard that it was said of those, uh, to those of old. Um, he's talking probably about Leviticus and Deuteronomy and the, the, the wisdom uh, shared there um, about oath swearing. And he summarizes that wisdom by saying, you have heard that it said, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So one of the things that uh, Jesus adds in to, that makes explicit that James doesn't is that um, not only are we not supposed to swear oaths by higher authorities, we're not to swear oaths by our own head or by our own authority, by, our, by ourselves. Um, and so the wisdom is... is just don't make oaths. <laughs> you know, once you say it, you have to do it. Um, the the Old Testament, um, again, back in Leviticus, and um, it says that that it's a, it's a sin to swear an oath and then not fulfill it, whether whether you meant that oath uh, in truth or you meant it deceitfully. Uh, either way, a female lamb or a goat. Uh, needs to be sacrificed to God in order to cover for that sin. And if any restitution is owed between you and another person for 
uh, not fulfilling whatever oath, that needs to happen as well. So there are just really huge consequences to, to binding yourself in an oath and then not fulfilling it. Okay, so the first piece of wisdom for this morning, based on this passage, is speak humbly. Speak humbly. Don't bind yourself to others. Um, don't uh, bind yourself or others through oath-making. Um, there's an illustration in that I want to use from the book of uh, Mark, where Herod makes an oath. Uh, it says this, On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests, and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. So Herod is just short-sighted in this oath that he makes. And we so often are short-sighted and limited, and, and often we are in so much less control than we think we are when we make an oath about something. And so I think, too, we can often make an oath out of love initially, and then we get into it, and then it's like, oh, man, I, you know, something happens, something changes in the circumstance, and then you're now, like, left under this obligation. Um, you're left bound. Um, because the, the world is full of natural disasters and pandemics and droughts and economic instabilities. And those things can set in in a moment's time and change the circumstances around the oath that you've, that you've made. And so with all of that, we just don't know what it means to make uh, an oath many times. We don't, we don't know what it means to make a promise. We don't know what it'll cost us. We don't know what it'll involve. And so um, we, we, we know nothing of what it means because of our limitations, because of the world's current state and our lack of control in it, because of our own tendency to change. In Mark 14, uh, um, Jesus and, and is on the way to Gethsemane with, with Peter and his disciples, and he shares with them, he says, you will all fall away. Um, and, and Peter declares back to him, he says, even if all fall away, I will not. Then Jesus answers, truly, I tell you, today, yes, tonight, you will, uh, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. Peter insists emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Right? And it shows that uh, uh, and, then, and then, of course, they get into Gethsemane, and, and Jesus has a simple request for them. And he says, could you just stay up and, and pray with me? Could you just stay awake and pray with me? And Jesus comes back three times and uh, finds Peter and the other disciples sleeping. So, so he wants to die for Jesus, and he can't even stay awake to pray with Jesus, right? So it just shows that Peter doesn't really know what he's saying when he said that. And um, it shows how prideful we can be. And how full of assumptions we can be about our own loyalty and about our own love and about our own devotion and ability to fulfill an oath and to fulfill a promise that we've made. And, and James um, 3.5, he says this about uh, speech in general, and so that's applied here too. Like, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, 
but it makes great votes. And so I think we, we need to be known not by the greatness of the promises that we make, but the greatness of our deeds. Uh, just, just do the thing that you were going to do without, through speech, portraying it in all kinds of ways, through like an oath or um, in terms of saying what you're going to do. Because the focus ultimately can, can really just be on us in our pride when we make oaths. Well, well, I'm this kind of person, and so you know that I'll do it. Or like my sales team is, is the absolute best, and, and we'll have the goal met in three days. It's just, it's just boasting, and it's getting you and others bound up in things uh, and creating all kinds of uh, situations that don't need to arise otherwise. So um, it's just wise to uh, not bind yourself under oaths in general. Um, but, it's, but it's also important that we don't use oaths to bind other people. Um, and um, James practices what he preaches. Uh, in, in the council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, the, they had gathered to kind of determine, um, there, there were these Gentiles who were receiving the Spirit and becoming Christians and uh, all over the, the Mediterranean. And they were, there was this question about, okay, okay, these Gentiles are becoming Christians. What of Jewish culture do they have to adopt to follow Jesus and become Christians? And... Um, uh, James and the other apostles, they write a letter to the Gentile churches about what they did or didn't have to do in relation to Jewish culture in order to follow Jesus. And I think the interesting thing is, is that he doesn't force them into any kind of oath, any kind of vow. He just simply says this in Acts fifteen twenty nine. He says, you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And he says this, you will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So you will do well to avoid these things? I mean, how weak is that? He just, I mean, he does state clearly uh, what he believes the Spirit is communicating to the council, but he doesn't require, you know, an oath or a vow on, on their part. He doesn't say, you know, and by show of your uh, uh, loyalty to this council, please send two doves to us, you know, to say you're going to fulfill it or, what, you know, whatever. Um, he doesn't require that. If we require oaths or promises from people or, or groups of people, we are binding them to us in what they've sworn. And we shouldn't take advantage of people when we have, when we have the power or influence to, um, toward, you know, making, having them make some kind of oath or promise. Um, you know, you can take like a parent on their deathbed. You know, what, what son or daughter isn't going to want um, to promise their parent whatever their parent asks of them? But now that person has to live with the promise they've made even after their parent is gone. It just, it creates an unnecessary burden. Or, or take, if you employ people, they already work for your company, and so you have some power over them because, you know, they don't want to lose their job, and so you can, you can just start adding this thing or that thing into their employment contract and, um, you know, kind of forcing them to sign it and, just create a whole bunch of 
uh, things that they're now bound to. And, um, you know, take friendship where you just, you're, you're wanting to maintain good friendship with a person and, you know, people can say, you know, you know, promise me, promise me this, promise me this. Um, you know, Saul, well, Saul wasn't really a friend to, to David, I guess, but, um, you know, Saul says, you know, promise me that you will not injure any of my descendants and not do anything to them and puts David uh, uh, in a position to swear uh, an oath to him in that. So, so in all of these things, by asking people to swear oaths, you're, you're creating a bunch of debtors. Anyone who doesn't fulfill their promise to you is now in your debt. And that creates a lot of trust issues, and it creates a power dynamic that otherwise just might not need to be there. So, so in your speech, to conclude this first point, be humble in what you say you'll do because you are bound to it. And being bound before God is no small matter. It can have ripple effects out into the community that you're a part of. Um, and it can create distrust or debt or tension when there really doesn't have to be any. In your speech, don't be quick to bind yourself or others. Second uh, piece of wisdom, second tomato that we can uh, pluck from this verse um, is speak simply. Don't use the authority of another to establish trust. Speak simply. Speak plainly. Don't use uh, another's authority to establish trust. In other words, don't use oaths to short-circuit the slow process of trust. Don't use oaths to short-circuit that process. Leviticus uh, 19.12 says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. In other words, you shall not swear and then not fulfill it because my reputation matters. So don't swear an oath in my name and then not fulfill it. We, we represent him. And uh, no one, you know, he, he doesn't want to be implicated in something that you don't follow through on, right? So we're, we're putting other people's reputation on the line when, when swearing by another authority. And so now you're not only breaking down trust between you and another party, but also in whatever higher authority that you used to say that you were or weren't going to do something. So if you've sworn by the good name of your organization that you were going to follow through and you don't, then it's not only on you, but it's on the, the name and the reputation of your organization. Or, or when it's God's name, then you're breaking down his authority and people's trust in that authority by not following through. Um, another interesting piece on this is, is in Matthew 23, where Jesus um, is speaking to the, to the Pharisees who they had begun creating these categories around, you know, what a person could swear by and couldn't swear by. You know, you, you can swear by the temple, and, and that's not binding, but, you, but if you swear by the gold of the temple, then that's binding. Or you could swear by um, um, the altar, and that's not binding, but if you swear by uh, someone's gift on the altar, then it's, then it's a binding oath. And Jesus is like, you are all just blind. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, it's all the same. It, if it smells like an oath and looks like an oath and sounds like an oath, if it sounds like a promise, it's a promise, Jesus is saying. And so 
we can get caught up in like this nitpicky logic about what's okay to swear by and what's not okay. And we can miss the biblical point that you shouldn't use the authority of another person or thing to establish trust or credibility. You shouldn't use overly, don't feel like you need to use overly religious language uh, and religiosity and adding a bunch of pieties as if that were going to, to add to the truth of what you're saying or, or, or somehow specially enable you to fulfill what you're saying. Um, if what you're saying has weight, whatever weight that people perceive that it has, let it have that. And, 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 and another thing, of course, right, um, kind of as I've already said, like just because you don't use, like we don't really talk this way in our everyday speech. So, I mean, just you, you probably aren't using the words oath or vow or even promise. Like I don't hear that very often, like I promise this or that. Um, just because you don't say that doesn't mean to people it doesn't sound like an oath or a promise that you're making. Uh, and Jesus, I think, wants us to be careful of that as well. So I think um, if you're swearing, you know, by the if you if you feel like you need to swear by the authority of another uh, being or person, um, it actually in some ways creates doubt in what you're saying. It's it, it like it's doubting your your trustworthiness to to do the thing that you're saying. Like why do you? Why do you feel the need to, to use or to call upon a, another authority um, to make this promise? You're, you're, you're opening the door for trust to break down on a greater level. Uh, and, you know, as said earlier, you're risking being put under judgment by whatever other name or whatever entity you've used to guarantee that promise uh, in making that promise will be fulfilled. So speak simply. Speak plainly. You don't you don't need to add exaggerated invocations of higher authorities. Just as the text says, let your yes be yes, if that's what you mean at the time, and your no be no, and nothing more. Third, third piece of wisdom uh, from, this, from this verse, speak honestly. Don't offer assurance where it isn't warranted. An, an oath or a promise is meant to offer assurance for another person or another group that you are or you aren't going to do something. And so, you know, or assurance that, um, that they will or will not experience something. You know, I, pr I promise that in this experience you're going to be okay, you're going to this or you're going to that. Um, it's, it's a guarantee um, for a person so that ass assurance can be gained by someone. And, you know, I think in our relationships we... We all want to live in the security of assurance. I mean, no one wants to be let down, uh, uh, hurt, or frustrated, or caught off guard. We all just want what's supposed to happen to happen. And, and I think this is where we can begin to make promises. Uh, swearing on our own head, as Jesus kind of says, by our own uh, selves. Uh, promises because we want people to feel secure and included, and loved. But if we have no intention of keeping a promise, or if there's really no way to ensure that we will keep it, we shouldn't make it. We should speak honestly and not offer assurance where it isn't warranted. And, 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 all, and a lot of this, I think, um, comes with good motives. We want to assure people who are desperate and in need of something to, 
to, to hang on to and to rest on, um, there's something compassionate about that. But we need to be careful because we are bound to what we say and we are bound to fulfill it. It shouldn't just be for the purposes of offering assurance. That's dishonest. And I think we have, we have a lot of uh, Christianese in gatherings just like this one. Um, you know, and we could talk about a whole, I'm sure you have all kinds of examples too, but um, I can't tell you the number of people who've said things like, oh, we're, we're going to connect with you, we're going to reach out to you. Um, and it, it was probably their way of saying, we really value you, and it's, it's great to know you. And, but what was said was not actually honest. And in Christian community, I think we need to be more precise and careful about what we say to people and not give them in our speech more than we can give them. And so sometimes that involves probably saying nothing at all, even when in our compassion and love we want to give them something. We need to say what we mean. And if, we, and if what we mean isn't a binding promise that we fully intend to fulfill, then we shouldn't use that. Even if it means the other person or group feels let down or insecure or something else, there, 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 there are other, in a community, there are other ways to address that. And um, speaking promises that we don't intend to make good on isn't, isn't one of them. So finally, our, our last point is that oaths add nothing to the church and its life. Oaths add nothing to the church and its life. What, what do I mean by that? We have already been given to one another. We are already bound to one another. Adding a whole bunch of words and assurances and promises will not make us any more members of one another than God has already made us in the body of Christ. And when we give our uh, yes and, and, and we come up short, we're already bound to one another in the practice of forgiveness that Jesus has given to us. And so we don't have to operate out of relationships where this person is indebted to that person and this group is indebted to that group. Um, when one fails, uh, it doesn't define the relationship. We remain, we remain brother and sister. And what always continues to define the relationship is God declaring that we belong to one another and that no, no additional oath or promise that we make with one another is going to add or take away from that. Do you see that? Do you see how that works? And, and I think the other thing is that we have already been given Jesus. We are already bound to Jesus. Making a whole slew of vows uh, that, we, that we will do this or we won't do that or not this time, God, or I'm going to give this up for you, Lord, or, or Lord, I'm going to give this up. It, it, it adds nothing to your relationship with God. He has perfected. He has completed the relationship with you and him. And making a new vow isn't going to add anything to what's already there. You will, you will not bind yourself to God in a new way than you're already bound to him in Christ. 
If, if, if you want to, to change something about yourself before God or, or do something for God that you want to share with him, that's fine. But, but just go do it and don't make an oath and bind yourself to it and, and put yourself under a new law. And, and, and you should know, because you should know that if you, if you, if you do do it, it doesn't add anything to your relationship to him. And if you don't do it, it doesn't subtract anything from it. But, but we, but, but we want to speak pridefully and show how we, we can fulfill what we're going to do no matter the cost. And, and we want to share with others the promises we've made and kept. And, and we want to speak with great complexity in our words, calling on, on this authority or that organization or this deity and show Show that we're trustworthy. Uh, trust me. And, and convince people to trust us. And, and, and we want to speak with great assurance to people, giving people something to rest on and feel secure in. And, and yet, in our pride, we have not fulfilled all our promises. Whether because we couldn't do it or because we weren't willing to bear the cost. And, and yet, even in our great complexity and religiosity, we have not proven trustworthy all the time. And yet, for all of our assurances and our lack of, our, our lack of follow-through and complete uh, honesty before others has sown distrust rather than producing security and trust. But God, but, but God has something to say. In fact, God has spoken. And every time God has spoken, he has delivered on his promises. He has delivered. He said he would bring his people out of Egypt and into the land, and through Moses and Joshua, he did so. Joshua 21:43. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they settled in it. And he swore to David that one of his heirs would be on the throne of Israel, and through the lineage of Joseph, Mary's husband, he did so. And he swore that he would bring Israel into exile, and he swore that he would bring them out of exile, and he did both. And he swore that he would create a new covenant with his people where they would forever be his people, and a new age of wholeness and peace and rest would come, and we have the down payment, the first fruits of the very promise when God raised Jesus from the dead. We have a God who has made good on every promise, he gave to our ancestors, even when it meant his long-suffering, even when it meant the price of his own son. We have a God who has spoken with the authority of his own name, because there is no higher authority to call upon for the God who spoke the world into existence as he speaks in order to fill what he, fulfill what he says. We have a God who has, who has given us a true assurance that a new age is coming. And we will be raised because of his power already shown in the resurrection. And we have assurance and we have hope. And so there are no oaths or promises that we can make to one another to give us anything more than we already have. Anything more than he has already given to us in his new covenant, in his great promises. Which we can experience right now here in this community by faith through his son. In those by faith in those promises. And so, as much, as much as we want to create hope in this community, it will not be by the oaths we make to our brothers and sisters. And as much as we want to create assurance in this community, it will not be by the promises we give. 
And as much, we want to foster trust. Trust will not be created by our faithfulness to promises. And, and, and as much as we want to bind ourselves to one another in love, it will not be done through oaths we keep to our own cost. All of this has already been created and established and given to us in the covenant set forth by the word God has spoken to us in Christ, giving our community all the security, hope, trust. I lost my spot. Status that we need in him as we, by faith, speak to one another about his promises kept and about how he has eternally bound himself to us. And so oaths are tools for communities who lack trust, are insecure, have no hope, have loose bonds of love, and we, by faith, are not that community. And so by faith, we will let our yes be yes and our no be no, because to add anything more is to disaffirm the community we are by faith. By using oaths, we open ourselves up to distrust when trust and oneness has already been perfected. God has already spoken, promised, fulfilled, and created. It's in faith in God's new creation that frees our yes to just be yes and our no to just be no because we are released from the burden of creating trust, creating hope, creating love, in this community. And so I say, along with James and along with Jesus, let's let our yes be yes and our no be no and let God do the promise keeping and build your life and community around him and see how this community will grow up into Christ in trust, in hope, in love, by speaking humbly, by speaking simply, by speaking with honesty. Let's pray. Father, we are hungry for the kind of community um, that you have already given to us. And so we pray that you just increase our faith this morning in that. And that we all take up membership and participation in that community as we remember the work that you have done, the promises you have kept, the faithfulness of your son, Jesus Christ, even unto death. We pray all this in his name.